0: Welcome to fitness in the world with Benjamin Kasanje. As we, many of us, have seen in the world and have experienced, we've had we've had shame in different. We've experienced shame in different uh, different things, different ways, and at times it is too bad. Shame is many times because we are focused on ourselves, self-centeredness. I know that sounds harsh, but many times it is because of that. Now, it does not mean that we caused it. It may be very hard to get rid of it. Actually, many times it takes the miracle power of God to get rid of it. But you realize that shame is, it comes from that, like that focus. Looking, looking, and thinking, how did I get here? How will people look at me? What will happen if I don't do this? Many times that is what happens. Now, as bad as it can be, at times shame will come from you know, someone will be raped and it will bring shame on them. And you know, if you're to think about it another way, you're, you're going to think that that should not cause anyone shame. They were not the animal, they were not the monster. You get what I mean? They were just a victim. So you would think that being a victim would mean they should not have shame. But you know, you realize that they still have shame. At times it will be because of how we dress, because of how we speak, because of something that was said. So people around us, circumstances around us may cause us to have shame. But in the end, shame is us uh, focusing on ourselves. Focusing on how we will be perceived, how we are perceived. And there is a lot that can be, it can be so ugly, some things that we may not even want to talk about, that even if you're told a story, even you, at times it is shameful to talk about the, the same story. And there is a lot of shame in the world. And the Bible tells us that Jesus endured shame, the shame that he endured, and hostility that he endured for our sake. He went through shame on that cross. Um, in the movies and what, it is portrayed as if when he was hung on the cross, he had something covering his groin area. But according to the Bible, he was naked. He was stripped naked. So that is shame that everyone is seeing him naked on that cross. For sins that he did not commit. And people are telling him, you save others, save yourself. And it looks as if he cannot save himself. There's a lot of shame and a lot of embarrassment, and shame is painful. Shame is bad. Uh, no one should suffer shame. It is not God's will that anyone should suffer shame. At times, shame is worse than. At times, shame is worse than something inflicted physically. You get what I mean? It is worse than you. Would, pain would rather be inflicted on you physically than you being shamed. You grew up in schools where teachers were that way, at times teachers shamed you. And at times you wish they had just punked me. I wish they had just beaten me. Maybe they spoke about your family, they spoke about something. So teachers who used to be insensitive. You, your father is struggling to pay here and you, you you're disturbing us. Now you see, all that that is that is that is very bad. And it is only Jesus, and it is only the power of the gospel, that can fully save us from shame. Or even give us power to endure it. That there are things that we can go through, and they would cause shame to us. But because we are not looking inwardly, we are looking at, you know, many times people say, look within. When you look inward, when you look inward, there will be a lot of guilt, a lot of less self-esteem, and what? When you look outward, there will be a lot of condemnation that comes from whatever is going on. That is why he says, Looking unto Jesus. Inside is not enough. And know motivational speakers tell us, Look within you. It may not be enough. Yeah. We think that it is so powerful. Look within you. What do you want to do? That may not be enough. Looking unto the author and finish of our faith. That is where there will be no condemnation, there will be no cause of inferiority. When we look to him, he does not put people down, he does not and he has all life solutions. Many people today, it's trendy to say, why do Christians say Jesus is the answer? People make fun of that but I want to announce it today loud and clear, Jesus is the answer to the world. When God wanted to solve world's problems the greatest, and imagine his infinite wisdom You believe God got the best solution. It is Jesus, he said. God did not say, Let me give them more food. He didn't say, Let me stop famine here. He did not say, Let me bring women emancipation. He did not say, Not that those things are not important, but to him, he felt like the trouble that the world had got into, the big remedy, is going to be Jesus. And he sent him, for God, when he loved, he would have said, for God so loved the world that he multiplied all the fish. For God so loved the world that he made deep-fried fish float on their legs. You know. But he said he sent his only begotten son. As in to him he realized that that was the answer. And when we sing and say Jesus is the answer for the world today, above him there is no other. All those things that are good, they are not enough. It can be so good, but it is not enough. Praise the Lord. And Jesus came and endured such shame for us that we may receive this heaven's grand gift for us. Heaven's grand gift for us. And when we receive him, there is no loss. To the world it may look like there is loss, but it is all gain when we receive him. It is all gain. Now in, in uh, Romans 1.16 Romans 1 is writing and saying, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed. In other words, humanly speaking, there was a reason to be ashamed of the gospel. The shame that it would bring. And Paul is boldly saying, I'm not ashamed. Hallelujah. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. That word, for, can be substituted with the word, because. Let's try to read it in NLT. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, serving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentiles. He says, because it is the power of God, for it is the power of God. Paul had seen the pain, the shame. He had seen what the world was suffering. And he realized that his reason to proclaim the gospel should outweigh the shame it comes with. Because it is the only solution to whatever the world is facing. It is the only solution to the Jews and to the Gentiles. It is the solution. That's why he says, I'm not ashamed. Because it is the power. That word power there is the word dynamis. It is the word that means power that effects change. Power that effects change. Power that can change something into another thing. Into something better. And Paul knew that. He knew that the gospel that I preach, being ashamed is a very small thing. Think about it. Why do many, many people who have gone to school Why are they ashamed of doing certain jobs? It is because it has been engraved in them that those jobs are below them. But you see, when a time comes where it is more shameful or more painful not to have food, not to have a house to stay in, not to have help, you will see them doing those things. And if they were writing scripture, they will say, I am not ashamed to sell whatever I'm selling, to clean whatever I'm cleaning, because it is where I get my food from. It is where I earn my livelihood from. That reason will help you not be ashamed. Now the reason that Paul has is that this gospel is the power to salvation. The word salvation there is soteria, which is the same word sozo. Very similar words in Greek. And it is a word that means wholeness, fibrous, full of life, forgiveness, righteousness. That is the word salvation. So, the word that is used there, that word sozo, is the same word that is used many times when Jesus healed people. He told the man, Take thy bed and be whole. And the man was made whole. The word there is sozo. So, we were translating in English, maybe we translate to salvation. So, many times as we preach salvation, we've only preached salvation as escaping hell and going to heaven but it's beyond that that is why eternal life begins right here on earth and if we see some of the things that human beings are going through we realize there is no reason to be ashamed look at the people propagating the uh covid vaccine you get what i mean now there are those who are genuine they really want a solution up to today i don't know i don't know if it is the solution or it's not the solution You may know better. Praise the Lord. But there are those who are pushing for it. Why? Because they want to help people. And no matter how much they are scorned at, no matter what people come to say on TV, no matter what people say, they will go for it because they know there is a life it is going to save. That is what they believe. So they don't care the shame they may go through. Their whole family may turn against them for advocating for it. But they want their children okay. They want their parents okay. So they will push for it and push for it and push for it. Do you get what I mean? Because they think it is a solution. So why are many Christians ashamed of the gospel? Number one, they either don't believe that it is the power of God unto salvation. And two, they don't have a burden for the lost. The gloom The shame, the pain that is going on in the world and the eternal damnation that is coming does not move them. They are indifferent. And that is why they are ashamed. They are ashamed of the gospel. Praise the Lord. I remember, you know, like being in school and watching. During that time when, you know, you have a friend and they would get drunk and and they are fun, and they can be gotten expelled from school. You would do whatever you can to hide them, to help them, however embarrassing it is. You carry them, they puke on your shirt. It's not enough to throw them down. You get what I mean? You're not ashamed of what you're doing because it is the only power that is going to keep them in school. It carries power to keep them in school. So you would carry them, they puke on your shirt, you put them somewhere. If they are out of control. You don't want them to be making noise. You know that, that whatever, I don't know, master on duty, we had, as we call them, house masters. Our dormitories were like in, they were in houses, they were called houses, so they are named that way. So you know, maybe the master of that house is coming, a teacher. And if you find this guy drunk, the next day that's an you know, suspension. So you, you know, you try everything. Even if the guy is slapping you, even if he's you know, at that time you don't hate him. Now, if we get the burden, if, if we believe that this gospel has power to transform lives, and then we have the burden for the world that we are going to, then an Akazo, we shared about an akazo last Sunday, will be so easy. Because you will not care what they do to you. You will speak to people who will speak in your face, but you know that you are saving them. You get what I mean? Many of you have had parents who have been drunk and there are things you've done as your parent is insulting you, but you need to cover their shame. You need to cover their, and you've done those things. You didn't give up because they were not cooperating. So many times as Christians, we are not aggressive when reaching out to the lost because we've not caught the burden and we don't understand the power that we have in the gospel that we carry like Paul had. So, The worst shame is being ashamed to share the gospel. Some of you may be ashamed because you were raped. You may be ashamed because you didn't finish school. You may be ashamed because of where you live. You may be ashamed because you can't speak a certain way. That, compared to being ashamed to share the gospel is nothing. Because you're not sharing the gospel, you're depriving lives. People are going to hell. People are not getting a solution that they should get. It is a shame. And that is why we see, when you see politicians uh, mon- like, mon- monetizing things like drugs and well, things that are meant to be affordable or free, that you find that there are people dying in Islam who are meant to get a certain drug which is already paid for by all these world charity organizations and you find that politicians are putting them in their dispensaries and pharmacies and selling them. That's You wonder, are they human? Normally when we talk about them, we are like, they are beasts. How can people be dying in hospital because of no medication? As we call them beasts, as a child of God, you are a beast. How can you know what saves the world and not tell them? You are like those politicians. We are like those politicians. That is the worst shame. That is the worst shame. If we understand that truly this gospel carries power, to transform lives, then we will not deprive anyone. The Bible says in Second Peter chapter 3, he says, scoffers will come in the last days. And say, why is his promise? Why isn't he coming? Because they say, Jesus would return. They'll be saying, when is he returning? Why don't we see him? And he says, it is not that he's slow concerning the promise. It is not that he's slow concerning his coming. But, he does not want the wicked to perish in their sins. He's giving more time. That as long as we are still here on earth, every day you wake up alive, that what you should know, it is a day to remember, this is another day God has given to us to decongest hell, to depopulate hell, to plunder hell and populate heaven. That every day you wake up and like so that means I have opportunity to tell another person. I have opportunity to give another person salvation. It is the power of God And that is why we see, when we read uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus said this, this gospel of the kingdom, this gospel, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. Jesus always spoke about it as the gospel of the kingdom. There is a lot that is being preached out there that is called gospel. But it is not the gospel of the kingdom. And you see, many times when he spoke about the gospel of the kingdom, he also spoke about the power that follows its preaching. When he sent them two by two to go out, they came. he told them, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Whoever believes is baptized, they will be saved. Every time he, he spoke about them going to preach the gospel of the kingdom, he spoke about the changes that would be experienced among the people that believe. He spoke about some of the things that would happen, meaning it carried power. In Mark 16, he says, you go out, preach, teach them. And he says, well, believes, This sign shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak in other tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He spoke about these things because these are the things that the world is struggling with. The world is struggling with self-worth, condemnation, not knowing that they are forgiven, not knowing where they will go after life here on earth. They are suffering with poverty. They are suffering with sickness. Those are mainly the things that the world is suffering with. And he has told us that this gospel that we preach is power. It carries power. power. It is power. It is the power. So what do we do? How do we see the power of God? We preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. Those relatives, those parents, those brothers of yours and sisters that you complain about, have they had the gospel? If they've not have the gospel, then you don't believe that it carries the power it does. Inviting them to church is good, but it is not enough. If you believe the word of God, you would preach to them. You will not be just crying, what can I do for them? If you believe that the gospel has power. When your child is sick and you know the medicine that they should take, you don't stay there and cry, what will I do for my child? You give them the medicine because you believe it works. So all these people we are crying to everyone about, have we presented them the gospel? Paul says it carries power. And it shall be preached to the ends of the earth. He empowered them. He has empowered us. In Acts 1, it says, you shall receive power, that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. In other words, after you receive this power, then you can present the gospel in power. And this gospel shall change regions, it shall change territories. And we have seen lives transformed here. We've seen most of these people getting baptized, saying some of them got born again this year. Some of them got born again last year. And I'm sure if you talk to them, there is transformation in their lives this transformation in their lives. The stories, the testaments we've had when people have stood here and testified, we've had real transformations in people's lives because the gospel was presented to them. The gospel was given to them. Hallelujah. Big things are happening. Nasty things are happening in the world and they will only change when we open our mouth and speak up. When we get rid of that shame because we know that what we carry, carries power. But every time we hear of a crime that happens somewhere, it should show us that we should even preach the gospel more. This week, Bright's mom was buried, and uh, Bill her yesterday. So Alice and Brenda went to Kakamega for the burial. And when we were on Friday getting the body from the mortuary, we were there, and you know, I saw the pain of death, and I know Bill her was a believer. We know where she is, but you would see the pain. You would see the sisters. You would see what they are going through. And I'm like, if there is still pain like this for somebody who has still died in Christ, how much more those people we are not telling about the gospel. The ones who die and we know that we will never see them again. You know, death is not something that you can just get over. Praise the Lord. Like it hits, you know, it hits hard. You know, you just think, you know, I have a discipleship book that I've been using, one of the books here, and it is for Bill. And I've had that book, so it has her name. So when yesterday, last night, I'm opening it in the house, so I'm opening it to look at it, and the first thing I see is Bill has name. And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to give this book to her. I'm never going to be able to talk to her. Until we meet in heaven. You get what I mean? There is real pain that she has left, yet she's a believer. What of the ones that didn't have Christ. The ones that are going into eternal damnation. Where there is gnashing of teeth, wailing forever. Do you know where the problem has been? A lot of what we preach in church, and I've said that over and over. A lot of the self-help gospel. So we make ourselves better. We just come to church to look better. We make ourselves better we improve our morals, we improve our character, we believe for more cars, we believe for more houses, we believe for better dresses, we believe for better marriages, we believe for all those things and neglect the priority. You find many prayer warriors in church, they can pray about everything apart from soul winning and ask them when did you last win a soul you will leave it here actually before you die it will be broken it will be scrapped somewhere that soul you reach out to souls are the only eternal thing the only thing we can carry from earth are souls that is the only thing we can carry to heaven that is the only thing. So when he says, how shall you receive true treasures? True treasures are people's lives. That is true treasure. True treasures that cannot be destroyed. Even the one who destroys the flesh cannot destroy them. He says in Luke chapter 16, use the unrighteous mammon. your money, he's there, he was talking about money, that you may win friends. That when you die, when you're fallen, they will receive you in glory. And as they will be there, they will be there. We will meet them. And as we lay up treasures there, that we speak to these people. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, it is what this world needs. Every time we stand up and we complain about corrupt politicians, we stand up and we complain about systems, we stand up and complain about it, should be a reminder that we still have work to do. As we are testifying here, remember and testifying and Kimemia testifying about someone who is meant to be her father, introducing her to pornography, molesting her as a, a, a young child. You know, like such people will continue existing. But if we get them and present them the gospel, they'll be turned into a new creature. They'll be turned into somebody new. And we'll stop hearing, or we will listen hearing such and such. You know, we may never fully eradicate sin on earth, but we can make... Look at some of the nations that are becoming atheists. Some of the things that we suffer in some of our nations are not even there. You go to a nation and you find that Theft is something that is not even heard of. But you know, when you trace some of those nations, you realize that they had revivals. And those revivals created a way of life. There are people who preached. And because those people preached a thousand years, 500 years down the lane, the impact is still felt. Even when all the people there are saying they don't believe in God anymore, the impact is still there. Because somebody believed that this gospel carries power to transform a nation. I've told you this about Uganda. In the 1980s, Uganda was one of the countries that was dying of HIV and party life. Up to today you can see party life. You know, here people come from club. At nine, you see them. They have been in club. At nine. At nine in Uganda, people have not gone to club. Yeah. We used to leave school to go to club. We used to leave school at around 11. That's when club starts. You get what I mean? As in the nightlife in Kampala is just... You can get food at any time in Uganda. You know, like here, you're like, hey, shops, there's a phone or what? Ah, no. Any time I can walk out at 2 a.m., I can walk out in, and you will get food. You will get something. Even I was shocked when I first came here that petrol stations close at night. I didn't know petrol stations are meant to close. Just bring up a bit in petrol stations close. That's how nightlife is. And you see, there is an advantage to it because we have cash as how we want. I used, to walk, I used to do most of my prayer walks in Uganda on the highway at around, I used to wake up at 3, so I would pray like from 3 to 5. So when I came here, at first we were staying in Kino. So I at Kino at 1 a.m., I'm there walking. And people told me, hey, you walk here at 1 a.m.? So I'm like, you know, it was a real culture shock. Because, you know, at night I'm like, the road is less busy and all that. But you see, during that time, people in Uganda died of HIV. Sexual immorality was at the highest we had cultures where immorality was normal. There are tribes where immorality was just so normal. Like before you even married a girl, I think we have a culture like that. I don't know if they still do it. But before you married a girl, is it somebody who was meant to sleep with her? I don't know whether it was your dad, your uncle, your what to sleep with her. As in, you know, that's why people say, oh, this gospel, we are living, our African culture. You think your culture was good? <laughs> that gospel has its own culture white man culture, African culture, none of them is perfect. Jesus' culture is the best. There are things in our cultures that you can't even be proud of. Uh, So if we say, let's really restore the African culture, polygamy, beating women, doing that is what was in our culture. Children can't speak to their parents. That is is not what we want. And people died, and I've told you about people when I was young, then of HIV, because at least by the time I was born, Uh, like that wave was ending, but it had been Uganda, Swaziland, Lesotho, Botswana, those were nations that were almost going to be written off because of HIV. In the party life, I know like my uncles, many people who just wasted themselves with alcohol, smoking, and what. But in the 1980s, a breed of preachers, especially after the 70s, the 70s, that is when Apostle Jokayo came to Uganda, and not once, but more than three times, people went and ministered in their schools. And the power of God fell in a way that people were scared. And when they wanted to run out, all the doors and windows shut. Not once, not twice, on different occasions. He preached in there's a school called Mali High School in Mali. He preached there, and that happened in the chapel. those they shut. No one could run out. He preached in Makere University. That happened. And revivalists, people who carried the path. That is how, like, Pentecostalism and miraculous attributes to the gospel started in Uganda. It was by Apostle Jokai Uganda. And people started preaching, and there were crusades in Uganda to specifically pray for HIV people to be healed. You get what I mean? And people to leave tobacco, to leave, and cigarettes used to be thrown on those. Even when I was young, I remember... A lot of the preaching, even because of not having proper uh, teaching on foundation or doctrine, whatever, you see, whatever people see in evangelism, they take it as doctrine. So you'd find a whole crusade is just about how cigarettes are bad, how you'll go to hell for cigarettes. And you know, you would understand where they are coming from. But many people were set free from smoking, drinking, drugs, a lot. That today, you see, now here in Nairobi, we have a, a like. Smoking booths, you get what I mean? Zones. We don't have those in Kampala. And it is not even strict like by the law. I think they brought a law, but recently when I'm in Kenya, that it is illegal to smoke in public. But even for people we've gone with who have seen in Kampala, it is hard to see somebody smoking. Very hard. It's even embarrassing. To see somebody dr- with all the freedom that is there. And when many Kenyan students come, many of them fail in college. I know you have some friends who been in colleges in Uganda. Because alcohol is cheaper and what? They waste themselves. You get what I mean? And then you find many of these Ugandans who it is at their disposal. It is just embarrassing. You're not respected so much as a smoker. As a profession, you're putting on your time and, and you're smoking. It is known a lot it's in the army, and most of these guys in the army, you know, they are they're out there. So what made it this way? Yeah, this used to be the culture, right from high school. My mom tells me in high school how many kids were smoking and it was it was so normal. Sleeping around. It is because of that gospel that you find non-believers. That I, it is easy to point an unbeliever in Uganda and they don't sleep around, they don't drink, they don't smoke. How many do you know in Kenya? Like this one is an unbeliever and they don't do any of those three things. Actually, you just look among the believers and you will find, you get what I mean? You may just find half the church going out. If you say, anyone who does not sleep around, Uh, half the church goes out. (laughs) But now when you find that even among unbelievers, is possible to find that. That is the impact the gospel can have. It carries power. It carries power. So it is so wrong for us to be ashamed of the gospel because we are depriving the world around us. We are depriving our relatives. Your relatives may not get born again, but they can become better people because of the gospel. Many people, relatives used to hear my dad preach every day, and there are things that they just stopped doing. Because, you know, they just know. My dad is called Jonathan. So they know he's around. We are not going to have alcohol. He's around, we're not going to imagine, because he has spoken the gospel. So they are not believers, but they will say, because he's around, we are all going to be saved. We are all going to have this. There is a lot of impact that we will see in the people around us. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Let's all repeat this prayer with him, and even with those that are home. Let's repeat this prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. We are all going to repeat this prayer. Let's put, put your right hand on your, on your chest. And I want you to say this after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on that cross. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, but I'm also so glad that you came and died for that very reason. Today, I give my life to you. I surrender my will to you. Be Lord of my life. Wash me clean. I want to live for you. I want to know a life of freedom. I want to know a life of righteousness. Jesus Make yourself so real to me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me walk with you. I say bye bye to my past. And I choose to follow you. I am different from today. I am a child of God. I am part of His family. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am royalty. Thank you, Jesus. I am saved. I am born again. And on that day, I will hear you say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Disciple shifting people, you will attend to him. Let's celebrate Jesus one more time. One soul that comes to Christ, one soul that comes to the Lord. Heaven is jubilating, heaven is celebrating, heaven is celebrating. One person less in hell. And if you're watching, you can also inbox us, let us know, and we will help you to grow. Also, we'll help you to grow in this cause. Hallelujah. Jesus one more time.